This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. On this episode of our podcast, I speak with Jeff Horn. He's the owner of two companies, one that is product-based and one that is service-based. He takes us on a fascinating journey on how the product company came to be and how we use the resources of the service business to launch it. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, my name is Jeff Horn. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Wicket and Industrial Agency, and I'm very excited to be here on the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Great. Thanks for having me. So uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand. You currently own and run two companies. One mm. is Industrial and one is Wicket. Do you yeah. want to take our listeners through uh, how that came to be? And Yeah, happy please. to. Absolutely. Uh, so Industrial is a, a, a web design agency uh, that I founded with a partner back uh, going back 20 years now. Uh, we're in our 20th year. So it was back in 2000 that I started that company. I'd been working at another uh, digital shop here in Ottawa with a coworker and It was that kind of typical mindset of, hey, we could do this better on our own. Um, So off we went and started uh, what was then called industrial media. Um, And it's hard to believe that that's been 20 years now. Um, And that's a company, industrial uh, plans, designs and builds uh, large scale websites um, on content management systems, mainly servicing the nonprofit sector, but also do um, some private sector work as well with some some interesting customers as well. So that's you know, a service company, uh, very service focused, um, and, uh, it always has been And Wicket, uh, which is the second company, it was born out of industrial. So, um, in the work we were doing with our customers, specifically in the nonprofit sector, more specifically with associations. So think professional associations like the medical association or, uh, the bar association, professional associations, uh, we're doing a lot of work with those organizations and saw that they were really struggling with how they manage their member data. Mm-hmm. So they'd have tens of thousands of members as part of their membership who would pay dues annually. Uh, and they'd be trying to use um, association management software to to manage uh, all this data and do all of these other things. And right. what we were seeing as a service company was that that software they were using was really lacking. We, we didn't really uh, agree with the model that okay. that software was using. And we, we had our own frustrations and saw an opportunity. So we started down this path as a service company to build a product. And hmm. uh, that was about four years ago. Um, went on the wild ride of trying to trying to run a, a service company where your customers are paying for your service and trying to build a product at the same time, which is just an immense challenge to do. And um, here in 2019, we sit about a year and a half into running Wicket as a separate company now. So we've got a product company in Wicket um, selling a software as a service or SaaS product, mm-hmm. um, an industrial a web agency, and we're separating those two. So the old the old software that they were using was mm-hmm. it was it one of the uh, was it a contact management system that they were just trying to fit everything into one is that where that really was a challenge yeah kind of yeah so really so there's this whole software industry that exists most people don't even know about it called association management software or ams for short most of these software companies are based out of the us but there's hundreds of them like there's there's a lot of companies that do nothing but sell software into this market and what they do is yes it's a membership database so it is like a crm like contact management built to process dues 
because as a member, you have to pay dues to be a member of an association typically. But what the association management software does is it then it tries to do everything else for the organization too. So we would have an email marketing module. It would have a website module for building your website, wow. an event module for running your events and like just keep going and going and going like might have 10, 20, 30 modules. Um, and that's, and so they'd sell it into associations. It's a great sales pitch, this one magical software that's going to do everything. <laughs> but it really doesn't work for you. Exactly. And that, that was the problem we were seeing was that this monolithic approach to this one big piece of software, it could check a lot of boxes, but then when the staff went to actually use it and get into those modules and start using them, they realized that they were very lackluster. They were very shallow in terms of their features compared to best-in-class software. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always like, like email marketing is just a, a great example, like a MailChimp or Constant Contact or campaign. There's so many great tools out there for sending email marketing campaigns, and that's all they do. And they're mm-hmm. very, very good mm-hmm. at it. To compare that to a module that's been built within this large piece of software, you just can't even compare the two yeah. from a feature standpoint. So our customer, we were seeing our customers stuck using these systems, wanting to use other software, but when they did, and they would at times just go rogue and go use a MailChimp or build their website on WordPress or start using Shopify for selling products, they then have their data scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of stuck with this big AMS. Then they've got data here and there, um, which isn't synchronized. So just to try to manage all of their data, uh, to understand how engaged their members are at any given time was very, very difficult for them. Yeah. So, and from our end, from a, a service side, from a web agency side, we'd be trying to integrate. We'd be deploying a website and trying to integrate with the AMS. And that was just a horrible experience because they'd have an API, but you'd put air quotes around the right. API. Right. Um, so we couldn't really easily integrate or it'd be very expensive to try to integrate with these systems. So it was that 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 frustration of the customer using these AMS software and our frustration that kind of drove this creation of Wicked, which is just a completely different model, completely different approach. So, so Jeff, was it a struggle to get these to, to get these associations to not <clears throat> not necessarily admit that they'd made a mistake, but to, mm-hmm. to say, listen, the one size fits all doesn't work, and mm-hmm. we're going to come up with something that's separate. Or did you do some focus group testing around that? Like, mm-hmm. tick ticks through that process. It's interesting. Yeah, very very interesting for sure. So we we had some really great customers we were working with at industrial, some healthcare associations, um, who were really who had really been burned badly by adopting these software platforms. And then even adopting them a second time, being sold on, no, no, this is, we've got it right this time. You should, you know, choose this solution and everything's going to be okay. And then getting burned again by um, either poor customer support, just the the inability of these modules to deliver on what they wanted. So we had some customers who were very, very frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. And they really became our sounding board for if we went down this path and considered building this piece of software, would you be interested in it? And the answer was a resounding yes. And so we had a group of two associations in particular who, even though we hadn't built the product at all, it was just vaporware. You know, we had some <laughs> some mock-ups of what it could look like. Right. Um, just at that point, they were frustrated enough to say, yes, we'll come on this journey with you and help to inform the development of the product um, and be those first customers. Um, okay. And I, they believed in us as a team yeah. um, combined with 
enough frustration with what they'd experienced previously that, you know, timing's everything, right? And we happened to be working with them at a time where they were very frustrated. We were frustrated with trying to integrate with these platforms. And so that kind of set us on this journey of working very closely with some early customers um, to build the product. So we literally built the product working with our first customers, um, which was a journey for us and a journey for them. <laughs> right. Um, and a real learning experience on both sides, for sure. What was it like for your staff? I mean, it, it, you know, uh, I've been involved in both sides. I've been mm-hmm. in the product side, service side. And I don't want to say it's a completely different skill set. That's a bit extreme, but it mm-hmm. is a, there is a different there is a slightly different skill set yeah, for sure. Yeah. What was that like for your staff that were used to being on the service side to all of a sudden yeah. be shifted slightly or mm-hmm. at least initially over? Now you're building something separate, but what was yeah. that like in the early stages? Yeah. Wow. So, so, so challenging in so many different <clears throat> ways and so rewarding in so many different ways. Um, so I think there was certainly a, a huge amount of excitement, especially on the development side, right? Software developers, who you know had been working to deliver service to customers the idea of actually being able to build something was you know was was very very appealing like mm-hmm. okay yeah let's get serious about building a product here um, so that was that was great so they're very excited about that but with that of course came challenges and some of those challenges were just balancing time right like you, we we're still fundamentally a service company which meant uh, we survived on billable hours being yeah. billed to customers. So you're trying to get, you know, you're trying mm-hmm. to manage your resources internally to say, okay, yeah, you can spend this time on the product, but oh, now we need you back on the service project because we got to deliver. And pay the bills. And pay the bills, yeah, right? right? The service right. company, you know, without a doubt, is what was really uh, bootstrapping sure. Wicked, right? Sure. So we couldn't have one without the other. So it became this push and pull constantly, yeah. right? Like, yeah. And the team, as they would get excited about building, would get very excited about Wicked. <laughs> and, then when they were, and then when they were, yeah, they'd get yeah. pulled back into service work. Um, and and that was you know definitely a challenge for them. And we had to really work through that. I think the other challenge and you know we learned a lot of lessons through this one is in a service company your mindset is yes customer asks you can this be done is there a way to do this and a service company's mindset is to say yes a lot it's like yeah we can do that we can find a way to do that we'll find a solution for that in a product when you're selling a product to customers you have to learn the art of saying no because a product you're building something that can only do a certain set of things and you know, one of the things that probably burned us the most in going through that effort of building a product was was still having a service mindset mm-hmm. of answering yes to the question, could it do this? And could it do that? Mm-hmm. And now oh, we need to do this. So we were giving a lot of yeses. And those yeses came with a lot of work to like, okay, now we got to figure out how to do that within a product. Because yeah. this isn't just a one-off. We're not just building a custom solution for one customer. Yeah. So that became very challenging and we had took a lot of work to get our staff and even myself who you know for years was running a service company to change that mindset and even today it's still a challenge right to turn that yes we'll find a solution to that mindset off and say no this is what our product can do 
and it's configurable and we can do these different things, but this is what it does. And, and no, it can't do that. And, and, and did you base this, I'm, I'm thinking now to the guys that developed Basecamp mm -hmm. and that's their whole model <clears throat> is to strip away, strip away, strip away. Yeah. And, and you know what, if you want all these extra things, maybe we're not the right product. Did you yeah. base your philosophy on, on someone like that? Uh, yeah. Rework or rework, whatever they're called? Yeah, rework's the yeah. name of the book rework. that yeah. they've, they've oh, published. The book, right. And uh, right. yeah, 37 Signals, 37 signals uh, was it. the name of the company, right. uh, Jason Freed yeah. and... Uh, uh, the name's gonna, hmm. gonna not gonna come to me. I'd say that yes, we definitely knew about them. I think they were a model or an example out there of a service company transforming successfully into a software company. And certainly, we liked their approach of simplicity. Okay. Just build a product to do some simple things, um, and we certainly liked that for sure. They were a bit different, and then they transformed their service company into a product company. Mm -hmm. We had uh, so many interesting discussions. Um, I mentioned to you earlier that I, I work with my wife as well. She's our chief operating officer at Industrial and at Wicked. So her and I both balance these uh, these two companies currently. And we had so many discussions about what is this? Like, is Wicked, so Wicked, is it a separate company? Is Industrial just becoming Wicked? Um, should Industrial just be ramped down so we can focus on Wicked? We had all of these discussions mm -hmm. and it was so hard to make the decision. Like. You know, we have a lot of people around us to help us um, make good decisions. Um, but, you know, you might talk to three people and they might give you, you know, three contradictory pieces of advice as to how to approach it. So in the end, you have to make that decision on your own. And the decision we made in the end was that industrial is a, a really good service business and we've got some really great employees. And so really, let's let's keep that going mm -hmm. and let's separate mm -hmm. the two and have uh, have Wicked really, truly be a separate company. Yeah. Um, and get these two things uh, nice and, and cleanly separated. And the clarity it gives you as you start going down that path, when you start looking at them as, at them as two different yeah. things, uh, it changes your mindset, it changes how you look at things. It was, you know, when I look back, I wish we'd done it sooner, yeah. you know, to separate yeah. the two and uh, and get that clarity. So. so is that the primary lesson uh, when you have a product and a server's business is to try to get that clarity early on? <laughs> I think so. You know, I, I, it's funny, like often I'll get introduced to people now um, like, hey, Jeff's been through the service to product transition. Talk to him, you know, and it's I think it's different for everyone, depending on your circumstance. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah, there's no one size fit all for us. Absolutely. Number one lesson learned was we should have okay. sooner um, said these are two separate things and let's get them separated from a, from a resource standpoint, from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. So we could look at them mm -hmm. more clearly and be able to say, here's the investment we're making in Wicket, yeah. right? And have it be much more above board and much clearer so that we could make better informed decisions. Once we got there, um, it just, everything became clear. We just started seeing the world in a different way and looking at Wicket differently. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it took us a couple of years to get there yeah. and, uh, definitely hindsight would have been to make that decision yeah. sooner. But at the same time, you know, we, we did manage to get through it and come out on the yeah, other yeah, side quite, quite successfully. So. How, how do you, uh, how do you divide up your time? Like you personally as the owner, yeah. I think, are you basing it? Is it, uh, is it Jeff week to week, month to month? Mm -hmm. Hey, I know we're coming up into our, our version 2.0. I need to focus 80% of my effort on Wicked and, mm -hmm. and leave the other aside. Is that kind of how you do it? Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, so for the generally my answer to the question is how I to how do I split my time is generally it's kind of 50 50. It's um, and that's what it's been probably for the last couple of years now. 
Um, and that's a huge challenge because I put my service hat on and, you know, I'm doing business development on the industrial side for organizations to sell website solutions. And then I got to flip my product hat on and be promoting a product and doing strategic work around that. So I'm, that that constant changing of mindset and switching of tasks, it's a challenge for sure. Um and so what we've actually done um, to alleviate that is we just recently hired a president role for industrial. Uh, so a fellow by the name of Rod Zilstra uh, just joined us in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's come on and his mandate is to run the agency and to grow okay. it. Okay. And so we right now have a transition plan, a six-month transition plan. We're in month two um, to have him really take over my responsibilities uh, yeah. with the agency to allow to free me up to spend more time on Wicket and grow the product. Okay. Um, so that's that's where we're trending. As I sit here today, it's probably 60% Wicket, 40% right. industrial, and we're kind of trending towards nice. uh, towards getting there. So, nice. so that's the goal, and the goal yeah. um, on industrials to continue, continue growing that company as well and have Wicket you know, continue yeah. to grow and um, expand into the U.S. market, which is a lot of our focus right now. Nice. Yeah. So between the two businesses, you've been in business for 20 years. Yeah, 20 were, years. Were you, were you a serial entrepreneur? <laughs> like, like I'm curious as to how, you know, yeah. I, I always – I always find it interesting when I'm speaking to people like yourself, like what was the light, what happened? Yeah. You know, something triggered, some, or is this something you've always had in the back of your mind that yeah. you wanted to do? Or if you can take our listeners through that, that'd be Yeah, great, great question. Um, I think that, I think there are, there are those people out there who are serial entrepreneurs and right from when they were young, they were inspired to create their own business and do it. I am not that person. <laughs> okay. and it's, it's interesting because most entrepreneurs I talk to aren't that person. They're, they're more like me, which I, I classify kind of as an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> You know, I grew up in a family with with a father who ran his own business. So I grew up in it for sure. Um, He was a contractor, a painter, a carpenter. So I was exposed to it, but certainly didn't have this grand vision of running my own business. Right. I I went to school for information systems. So I got into the computer world, the computer side of things, got a job. And really, it was my, my initial partner with Industrial who really encouraged me that we could do it. Mm. It was him saying, hey, you know, the two of us, you know, over coffee saying, hey, we could do this better. <laughs> but then him being the one to really say, you know what, let's do it. Like, yeah. Let's just do this. We're yeah. young. We're, yeah. you know, we didn't have families yet at that point. And it was his encouragement that convinced me, yeah, what the heck, let's do this and kind of take that leap. Right. Right. So I guess I became an entrepreneur the moment I said, sure, let's do this. Yeah. Right. And now yeah. then your mindset just changes then completely. So, so that's, um, so that's how I started into it. And then, you know, it's, it's interesting over the course of, uh, of 20 years, you really, you can't imagine working for someone else, yeah. you know, you know, it's kind of a joke. You kind of make yourself unemployable, right. you know, when, right. you, when you've been an entrepreneur and yeah. running your own business for a certain number of years, yeah. because it'd be very, very difficult to, to, uh, to do that. So, um, but I, I absolutely love running yeah. my own business. Um, I just find it so satisfying and so rewarding and it's just, the number of challenges you face on any given day yeah. um, that you didn't plan for. Um, I, I love that. Yeah. I seem to thrive off of that. So I think that's one of the reasons why so many entrepreneurs struggle if they sell their businesses, mm-hmm. if there's any kind of earnout that's part of that buyout. And you hear this story yeah. over and over again, whether it's one year, two years, mm-hmm. three years, very few of them stick it out because yeah. they're yeah. just, they're so used to calling the shots. Typically they get bought by a, a larger organization mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now they're, uh, 
you know, third or fourth on the, on the, on the org chart. And exactly. they're just not used to that. Yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah. yeah very yeah. different, very different world. And I think, yeah, I think that it is the most common that you do your earn out and then yeah. you go and you move on to something yeah. else. Agreed. And, Agreed. Uh, you know, I, we, we joke a bit at home about, you know, what, what will be next after Wicked or yeah. Industrial? And it's, it's hard to even imagine. It's just yeah. the answer is something. Right. Something will be next right. for sure. Now, yeah. did your wife join you in the business right away? No. So okay. she joined about uh, six years ago, I guess, uh, on Industrial, came in to run the operations of the business and uh and really just took over because i was you know i was at a state where i was doing everything mm. um and just couldn't keep yeah. keep up the pace of trying to be operational and also being the the, the external face right, right. so uh when laura joined she became the internal face of the organization okay. and i try to focus externally and okay. that's just that's just kind of generally how we view the world mm -hmm. if it's internal laura owns it if it's yeah. external it's my job. Pretty simple way to. to it's a simple way to look at it. Yeah. Of course, when it comes down to it, there's all you know. I get Cross pulled over. internally, and she'll get yeah. pulled externally. But that's how we how we view it, yeah, you know. Nice. And I think it overall uh, overall that works very well Good. for us. Good. Yeah. We were we were talking uh, before we went live here about <clears throat> I'm in the same boat that my wife uh, mm. works in our business as well. And when I tell other married couples that, I get looks like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how the hell does that work? Yeah, yeah. but it just works. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody for sure. For and, and, and we get a lot of that too. Like, yeah. well, how do you, how do you do that? How do you spend <laughs> right. that much time together? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's funny, like we, we couldn't imagine not working yeah. together right now, you know, so right. it's, um, you know, we just, we just, we expect now that we're always yeah. going to work together and it's yeah, just what yeah. we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I think that, you know, it's, it has the, you know, the pro is the the great part is that you're in it together and you can talk about it and you understand what each other are going mm -hmm. through and the challenges that you're in it together that, you know, you, the <laughs> challenge is the same. It's the same it's thing. It's right. So it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, like yeah. you have to sometimes try to just turn it off and be yeah. like, okay, you know what I mean? Like yeah, we, yeah, it's, yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, we've got a large family too yeah, and trying yeah. to balance that yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, is a yeah. challenge. So. It's part of the fun too, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, sure. uh, you know, we're, before we went live, we were talking, I was telling you a little bit, you know, a lot of our listeners to our show are people that are thinking of starting a business. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of listeners that have already started one, but yeah. I know I'm going to, I'm going to happen to your memory bank a, a bit here, but, you know, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. you told a great story how, you know, basically your, your partner convinced you that, hey, we can do this. Is there, is there a couple of lessons you'd pass along to someone that's out there thinking, you know what, like, geez, I'm, I think I can do this. Maybe I can't because we all go through it, yeah. right? No matter what stage of our entrepreneur journey we're on in terms of our age, yeah. it's those early stages where you're full of confidence and full of doubt at the same time. Yeah. Any yeah. lessons you'd uh, suggest? To, uh, yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, when I look back, I think that probably the the single most important thing I've learned over the years is surrounding yourself with really great people. Like when you're running a business, it's all about people. The whole thing is about people. You're dealing with customers, you're dealing with staff, you're dealing with personalities. Um, and you, you know, you have your expertise and, and you have an idea or you have something, right? So you have something you believe in and, and you've got a certain skill set. Um, but, you, you have to learn that you, you that you're not an expert at everything that you can't do everything and that you need really smart people around you and that's in a, that's in different ways like that's that's with staffing and that's who you hire um, not hiring people that are just like you 
right? You need to, you need diversity amongst your team in terms of, and diversity in every aspect of the word, Um, certainly in, you know, how you think and how you operate, like you need different people and you need people around you that, that will challenge you as well and challenge your thoughts and ideas um, to create, to improve them. Mm -hmm. So there's that side of it. There's the hiring side, but then there's also the mentorship side and having really strong mentors around you that you're working with, that you can rely on, that you can bounce ideas off of. And I've really been lucky over my career to have Mm -hmm. great people around me. And I, I, I know I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have those people. And so seeking out mentors in some way and multiple mentors in different areas of business like maybe you find someone who you know has great finance background or someone who can really help you on the hr side and you know there's so many people in the city who are willing to give back and when they see a young entrepreneur trying to do something are willing to spend some time with them and mentor them so there's that and then i and then about seven years ago i joined a, a peer group um, uh, in this case, it's called Tech, which stands for the yeah. Executive Committee. Yeah. Um, it's known as Vistage Worldwide. There's a few different peer groups that exist. Um, I joined Tech uh, seven years ago, and I credit it as being the single smartest decision mm. I've ever made as a business owner. Yeah. So I sit in a group with, uh, I believe there's 15 other CEOs of mid-sized businesses. We get together once a month and spend a day together. Um, we have a leader of our group and we just, we, we sometimes get a speaker in, but you know, the best part is just talking about challenges and common challenges. And what you see is even though I'm running a software company and the person across from me is running a construction company or a lawyer, or it doesn't matter. Same challenges. Everybody's got the same challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so when you're running a business, it's, it's cash. Cash is always a big problem (laughs) and people. My eyes are going to start twitching. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like cash is king when you run a business and um, it sounds so simple. Right. And of course it is. Um, But it's it's certainly an ongoing challenge for any business Um, and people. Right. Like everybody constantly has challenges with people and managing their people and finding the right people or or working, dealing with customers. So having that group to come together and... Mm -hmm. um, just a group of people who you can talk to at that same level and they understand what you're going through. They understand what it's like to be a CEO is just invaluable. Like it's, it's just invaluable to have that um, around you from a support standpoint. It really is like a support group. And uh, so that's something I'd highly recommend is is, is seeking out something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And if nothing else, just finding those mentors and those people who have done it before who can maybe steer you away from some decisions that, you know, might send you down a, down yeah. a rabbit hole. So. I, I belong to a, a marketing agency group based out of the U.S. And uh, every two weeks we get on a, on a Zoom meeting and we're, and yeah. we're put together in, in agencies of the same size. Awesome. And I find it my, I, I call it my biweekly therapy session because that's really what it yeah. is, yeah. you know. Absolutely. And it's just nice to talk to people that are going through the exact, sometimes, you, sometimes as an entrepreneur, I don't know if you agree, but we're going through something we think, oh my God, I must be the only person going through this. And yeah. you realize... 90% of fellow entrepreneurs are going through the same thing. So That's it. you might as well learn from what they've done. And mm-hmm. and I find entrepreneur to entrepreneur, it's very generous. Absolutely. And and that's true. It's it's true. You mentioned mentors. So 
And to me, a mentor doesn't have to be, tell me what you think, but to me, a mentor doesn't have to be someone that's necessarily running a larger business than yours. Mm -hmm. Just someone that's, like you said, an an expert in finance or an expert in HR or sales or marketing, whatever you're struggling with, could be the same size business. Do you agree or do you think you should focus your your mentee-mentorship relationship on larger organizations? No, no. I think it can be, I I agree with what you're saying. I think it can be anybody. I think think it's all about finding people who, you know, have experience, right? So really, you're just looking for people who have been through something that you know you see on your horizon at some point and they could be somebody who maybe at some point did work in a large organization but now we're just doing some consulting mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something later in their career so i think yeah i think there's all kinds of different ways and you know i think i don't think there's a you know i don't think you could develop a single persona around what a mentor looks like yeah. for any for any given person um and like everything as you evolve as a company you know your mentors will probably evolve with you as well and you'll start finding new mentors and um, with wicked one of the things we're really blessed with is we were accepted into Invest Ottawa's accelerator program. Oh, it's a great program. And that's just amazing, mm-hmm. right? They've just they've got such a great group there uh, and we get to spend a lot of time um, with some just uh, absolute amazing mentors, whether it be on the marketing or sales or finance or HR. And we get to go in and, um, you know, it's the beauty of that organization, Invest Ottawa. It's it's free to us yeah. to leverage these just amazing people. So we're, we're very thankful to be in that program. Um, and it's for a certain type and size of company. Um, and we happen to fit that mold right now. Um, but that's a, a really great program. And yes. Invest Ottawa in general, I think, is just a great resource we have here in Ottawa. Yeah. Regardless of what type of business you're running as an yeah. entrepreneur, everybody in Ottawa should be looking, you know, saying, how can Invest Ottawa's programs help me? Yeah. Because they can help anyone, to, regardless of the business they're in. It's one of my pet peeves that, you know, we've got this label as a government town or sleepy government town. But mm-hmm. I, I think, um, <clears throat> Jeff, the private sector doesn't get enough for uh, doesn't get enough. Uh, a love quite frankly that we do have yeah. a lot of great programs and a lot of great people here yeah um, and it's not just the Shopify's and it's not just the canopy gross there's a lot of small mm-hmm. to medium-sized enterprises out there that are yeah. making a difference that are growing fast and, and we have these unbelievable resources yet mm-hmm. I find most people are not even aware of them that's it that's it it's all about awareness and I think that you know the the startup ecosystem here in Ottawa I think is is just thriving right now yeah. um, there's so many good things happening in this city um, and, you know, it is great having those the, those massive players like Shopify here. It certainly helps to put Ottawa on the map, but I totally agree. Mm-hmm. There's so many great small and medium-sized businesses popping up right now, um, people doing, doing great work. And, you know, one of the real benefits of doing business here in Ottawa and in Canada is the support from the government. And um, certainly engaging with organizations like Invest Ottawa gives you good access and insights into all the different government programs that are available because mm-hmm. they are there and you just have to know about them. And there's, you know, for almost any situation you're in, there is some form of help that you can get yeah. through whether it's for through hiring programs or getting interns in or doing research and development or mm-hmm. you name it, whether mm-hmm. it's the federal government or provincial government. There's so many good opportunities. Yeah. And, and, you know, we we certainly take advantage of that. Okay. Um, with our company. Nice. So believe it or not, we're, we're almost out of time here. <laughs> that, that time flew. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, where can our listeners find out more about uh, Industrial? and, and with it? Yeah, for sure. So Industrial, uh, you can find us online at industrialagency.ca. That's uh, the best spot uh, to find us. And Wicket is at wicket.io. Great. Yeah. Thanks very much for your time, Jeff. Appreciate yeah, you coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks.